We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what is up, everybody? Welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast, coming to you live on a Wednesday evening. Uh, my name is Steven, and I am the host, as always, and joining me is my guy, Tyler. Tyler, what's up, man? How are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. I'm still living off the high that was being at Chargers training camp and being, you know, like one foot over on the other side <laughs> of the fence. But still, it was really cool, really cool to do an interview with Joshua Kelly. And you could just kind of see how happy we were. You know, at points, you could just take a screenshot of us and we're both smiling and happy, and it was awesome. So, still living off of that. Um, new higher orientation for teachers is tomorrow for me. So, I'm that much hey. closer to finally getting paid to do this thing than I did for a year <laughs> last year. That sounds great. Yeah, man, that that first paycheck is going to hit different for sure. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. Last Saturday was incredible, man. You know, being out on the field um, is not super different in terms of like, you know, the vision line, but just being able to you know, talk things through with Daniel Popper, like on the sideline mm. and Matt Money Smith and, and some of these other media members and, and big shout out to to Dan Wade from locked on sports for hanging out with us. Most of the time, it was really cool to, to participate with, with everything with him there too. I don't know if that was his first time or not, but um, that was nice to have like a, a familiar presence with, with him out there. So it was a ton of fun, man. I, I, we didn't get to, participate in the press conferences as much as I would have liked. Um, you know, we had to go interview Joshua Kelly, which is a, is a solid hey. cons- consolation prize. Um, so we'll see, maybe we can get in some questions this weekend when we're down there uh, again on Saturday. So it should be a fun weekend again. 
Um, but last week definitely lived up to the expectations and then some, man, it was, it was just really cool. Like there was a moment where we were all like hanging out in the like media area. And then like LT was kind of recording his thing for NFL network, like right next to us. And it was just, it was a cool day. It was a cool day for sure. Yeah, it was pretty cool. It checked a lot of boxes for me. It scratched a lot of itches. Um, <laughs> I was somewhere between nervous and floating and tunnel vision and all that. Like it was just, it was a fantastic experience. So next time, hopefully I, you know, I'll actually know what I'm doing. I know where the signing table is and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and yeah, as Daniel Bridges pointed out, Joshua Kelly was great. Like he's, if you want to interview anybody and it's your first time ever, like Joshua Kelly would be one of the best guys to interview because yeah. so gracious with his time, so kind with his responses. He's always like, yeah, great question. I'm sure I could ask him. I'm sure I asked him questions that he didn't like, <laughs> you know, but he's like, yeah, good question. That's a great thing. I didn't consider that or whatever. So yeah. very thoughtful. Um, I hope he has a great year and hope he continues to develop his choice route. Yeah, hundred percent. His personality is just infectious, man. Like, you know, at the end of the at the end of the entry, he's like, "Let's go, bolt up! Like, let's go!" Like, he's so excited and just loves football. Um, I think he absolutely has a future in broadcasting. Like, he's just so energetic and knowledgeable about what he's doing. So, I think I, I think he could definitely you know talk about you know the NFL, college football, whatever kind of level he wants to get into. But um, he was a great interview. That was. Our, technically our second time interviewing him on the show. Arjun interviewed him the first time, but it was our first time interviewing him. And just the energy was incredible. I thought he gave a lot of great answers, you know, about the choice route, about Kellen Moore's offense and, and just kind of adjusting the things. So I'm excited for Joshua Kelly, man. I think he's not a name that people nationally are going to be talking a lot about. You know, people are still clamoring for them to sign Ezekiel Elliott. But I think Joshua Kelly is going to have a really, really good season. And we'll mention Isaiah Spiller on this show today, too. But Joshua Kelly, I'm really excited about for him this year. Yeah, it's very different when you can talk about players, watch the film, whatever. And then you're you're sitting next to the player. And after the interview's over, camera's cut off. You just shake his hand and go, you're going to have a great year. We're pulling for you. You're going to have that Trey Pipkins kind of breakout this year. And just like no hesitation. He's like, yep, going to do it. Um, going to keep working, all that sort of stuff. Like, And just to talk to someone and look them in the eyes and see their response. And just like, you can just see in his eyes, obviously it's a contract year, but I think he really does know like this is going to be his best year if he can stay healthy. And like you said, Kellen Moore is working on the running game, which makes him happy because he's a running back, which is, I had to like lift my head back to laugh. Cause <laughs> I knew it would just destroy the audio. If I laughed into the microphone. Um, yeah. It was just a funny comment. Yeah, it was great interview. Great interview for sure. Um, all right. So today uh, on tonight's show, we're going to be talking about the stock watch. Um, mostly it's going to be positive, but there, I think yeah. there are definitely some cases to be talked about in terms of players who have not necessarily, you know, boosted their stock. Maybe it's stock neutral, but certainly worth mm -hmm. talking about um, because the Chargers have officially completed uh, a full week's worth of practices. They obviously opened training camp last Wednesday and then today. Uh, and yesterday were, were practices closed to the public. And so the Chargers will have tomorrow off. And so this is kind of the perfect time to to take a measure of some things. And we'll mention some guys, like it says, in the, in the, in the title, maybe some other ones as well. Um, before we get to that, we do obviously have to talk, talk about some of the news that has come out of uh, training camp. And I think the biggest thing, obviously, is the uh, very vague injury around Trey Pipkins. Um, he has not practiced since friday or thursday i guess it would be 
um, in mm-hmm. terms of full participation. Um, apparently, Saturday morning, he was nicked up or, or injured something, pulled something. We don't really know anything about the specific injury, uh, but he has not practiced since that time. Foster Sorrell has been taking all of the reps at right tackle. Um, today, Rashawn Slater got a little bit of rest, and Zach Bailey played left tackle, according to um, Mr. Daniel Popper. So this also goes in line with Austin Pleasance being injured on Saturday when we were at practice. So um, the Chargers' offensive tackle depth is being tested right now. Um, the Chargers are maintaining that this is not a serious injury regarding Trey Pipkins, but as Eddie Dale Jr. points out, um, he has been wearing a sleeve on his leg. Uh, I think it's his right leg um, for each of the last two days. So, Tyler, what do you make of this whole situation? How concerned should we be about Trey's uh, injury that we know nothing about? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is exactly the answer to the question. We know nothing <laughs> about it. So how concerned can we be? They're in a great spot where he's not fighting for a starting job. So if he wants to take the entire preseason, fine. And to be completely honest, given his you know, tenacity, his toughness last year, he probably could play through it. I'm sure there's a quote that'll drop at some point where it's like, yeah, if there were a game, Trey would be out there and playing. And I would believe that because he was so tough last year. Um, I'm not really particularly in or worried about this right now. Ask me again in two weeks, three weeks, maybe. But right now, not worried. What does worry me is we're already seeing what the depth has to look like. And listen, Foster Serral apparently has been better. Um, I've, I've seen one padded practice, and it was on the far field 80 yards away. Right. So, but, but by all accounts, he's at least holding his own, which is great. But my concern really is just with the depth there because it's not great. And it would take a significant jump. Like the Pipkins jump was from maybe below average to good. Um, Foster Serral, like last year, the number, at least in terms of the numbers and what they couldn't do without him, I think it was bad, like just bad. And so the jump for him to have to fill in would be pretty significant, I think, to feel comfortable. And we just don't know that yet. So I'm more worried about just the depth in general right now, as we have been talking about since March in the draft, et cetera, worried about that spot. So Pipkin's injury doesn't worry me a ton. It's just if it does become a worry, I'm very worried about the depth. Yeah, in terms of Trey's injury, I just there's no point in trying to push through stuff right now because it's August, right? Like there's still a month and a half until the first game. And so they're being very cautious with Trey. I think that's totally understandable. They just gave him a big contract. He played through injuries last year. You should be careful with that guy. You know, he's kind of your, um, I don't want to say weakest spot because we don't know about Jamari Sawyer at right guard, but in terms of ceiling, he's got the lowest ceiling of this group. I think that's a fair assessment. And I think that he certainly has a higher floor than, than Zion and, and Jamari because we've seen it. Um, but you want to be careful with him. He's You don't have really any other options. And I think there's a lot of optimism about Foster Sorrell. The team shares that. Um, Duke Mannyweather said that he was one of the most important players, uh, or most improved players, excuse me, in his program this year, which is fantastic. I hope that comes to fruition. But, like, <laughs> we all thought it couldn't be worse than Storm Norton, and it was. It was significantly worse, and they had to do a lot more help towards 
uh, Foster Sorrell's side. So I wish him nothing but the best, and I hope he has taken that leap. But I'm I'm concerned about it, and I've been concerned about it. And then you also throw in Austin Pleasant's Austin Pleasant's injury, and he was never going to be a contributor, but just like the functionality mm-hmm. of the offensive line changes in terms of practice. Now Zach Bailey, who the Chargers are very high apparently on him as a swing guard. Now he's been taking tackle reps this week because they just don't have another body out there that they trust to be a second team offensive tackle. And so that affects things, right? That changes how you can practice on a day-to-day basis. You know, today Daniel Popper writes this defensive dominant performance, you know, in practice, which could have been definitely legit. We weren't there. Mm -hmm. But, really how much of it being dominant was affected by not having Slater and Pipkins out there. I mean, you're starting Bailey and, and Sorrell against Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. Like, you know, that changes things. That's going to change how the offense practices. So I, that's more concerning to me is just the lack of functionality that they have at offensive tackle right now, because the drop off from Slater and Pipkins is so drastic that you're already moving Zach Bailey around. You know, you're already doing these extra measures because you lose Trey for, you know, a week, you know. So I'm not concerned about Trey's injury long term. I am concerned about just the sheer like functionality of practice. Yeah. Well, I I just don't understand how we're repeat. I mean, again, Trey could be fine and Foster Sarah could be great. So I guess maybe this is, you know, early to say this, but I can't believe we're repeating. What it's been since, I mean, really Telesco's tenure, I think, but really recently, like, okay, 2020 Rivers, or excuse me, 2019 Rivers last year, Trent Scott, right? And then we saw in 2021, why did the Chargers maybe not win that final week 18 game? Storm Norton. Why did they not really, you know, do so hot during that middle of the season last year? Granted, no one's replacing Rashawn Slater. Um, you know, Sawyer kicked out, thank God. But then they had Foster Serral, and that just, like, tanked the number of wins that they could have had there's maybe one more win win in there win against the 49ers you know and it just never came to fruition because they just didn't have the guys out there so it's just again a surprise like the chargers can have an a minus kind of off season i feel like they've sort of had really good ones under brandon staley but it's like there's one more thing you got to do man and over the last two years you've been killed by not having a true tackle out there. Like, like again, we're taking Zach Bailey, who they like at guard, and we're just gonna try him at tackle. Or last year, like I think Jamari Sawyer can play tackle. Let's just try it and see what happens with no practice. Like, you didn't even <laughs> prep for it. You didn't even try to have him out there left tackle. Just like, yeah, sure. You know, hopefully this guy can. Thank God he could. Yeah. I, I just can't believe we're doing this again. And based on, and as Jorge's pointed out. I don't think they're kicking Jamari Sawyer out to tackle unless it gets to be that much of a problem. Um, again, they can and they might, but it seems like right now their their goal is to just keep that trio in the middle and tackles will be tackles, and that's kind of it right now. And McFadden has taken no snaps that I can think of at tackle. Not yet, so no. like they really need to look themselves in the mirror and say, how much are we going to hope that Foster Serral is a legit backup who will not crater this team because of poor performance? And how much do we just go, listen, I'll take slightly below average at tackle, but at least we kind of know that's what it is, versus what Foster Serral was last year, which was a complete liability for the most part. 
Yeah, to the Jamari point, like, I think he could play right tackle. I think that he could play center if they asked him to. Mm-hmm. But eventually, you need to find a long-term home for Jamari. And I think, ideally, that is at right guard for him. I think that's his best possible spot. Um, I agree with what is being expressed in the chat right now that, you know, they probably would not move Jamari again unless a second injury happens. You know, like, okay, Trey gets injured and then Foster also gets injured, something like that. I think this team wants to be risk averse as much as possible with the offensive line in terms of rotating positions. So right now, Jamari is going to stick at right guard. If something else happens at tackle, then maybe they'll move Jamari. But I think that his development is too important for them to continue to mess around with because he's played right tackle in the past. We, you know, at Georgia, and that's where they had him mostly working at last offseason. But he's never played right tackle, to my knowledge. And, you know, yes, you're flipping from left tackle last year to right guard this year, but still you're asking him to go all the way to right tackle. That's a drastically different change from left tackle because when you're playing guard, you can quick set pretty much every single snap. You don't have to take a deep drop set, which you do have to do at offensive tackle. And he's only played left tackle, so we know he's comfortable, you know, deep dropping at left tackle. But is he comfortable doing that at right tackle? You, you just you you risk losing a player who I think could be such a good valuable piece for this team. Yeah, and I just want him to stick at right guard. Yeah. Um, so we'll see what happens, man. I think if Trey's injury continues, they probably have to sign an offensive tackle again, just out of functionality purposes. Like they do not have enough offensive tackles right now. And if they're going to try and give Rashawn Slater some rest days like today, like I, I don't even know, like, what are they doing at tackle right now? What did they do with the third team offensive line today? Are you making Zach Bailey be first team left tackle and second team right guard because you just don't have enough bodies? So this is probably a little bit too negative and we'll get to some more positive stuff in a <laughs> second here. But the lack of offensive tackle depth is concerning to me and it's been concerning to me. Yeah, it's not negative. It's, it's realistic. And not being realistic with the way your roster is has been negative for the Chargers in the past. And as Chargers fans, we've seen it. We talk about it every year. Again, not that every signing that they can make would be better. I don't know that for sure. Not that every draft pick they could have had, you know, in the seventh round last year. Could they be better? I don't really know. But I feel like you have to start really addressing this. If you're so committed to the offensive line that you'll burn a ton of money, two first round picks, another draft pick, like, and it, Trey Pipkins, you know, $21 million. If you're so serious about the offensive line, keep going. You know, look at your wide receiver group. How good does that look right now? Granted, that's, you know, first round pick, first round pick, $20 million, $20 million, third round pick. But still, like, having that depth on your team, it's great. You know, again, Josh Palmer, they've been raving about him in camp, has been awesome in camp. He's their fourth wide receiver. And you don't need to be four deep at tackle by any means, but like two and a half would be great. Yeah, 100%. Um, to Alan's super chat question here, what do you think the aversion to McFadden getting reps on offensive tackle would be? I think Brandon Staley and his staff have shown that they are very intentional with making the adjustment to the NFL as easy as possible for these young players who are not early round picks. You know, like they're moving Tuli around. They moved Asante around when he was a young player. They'll moved, they, they moved, obviously, um, Joshua Palmer around a little bit. 
But if you look at guys who are maybe kind of later round picks, like they want them to specialize, feel comfortable, and kind of ease into the NFL as much as you possibly can. You know, JT Woods at this time last year was only doing deep field work. Like he was very rarely in the box, very rarely in the slot. Find a home, get comfortable there, and then yeah. we'll kind of expand your role. Right now, McFadden is mostly working with the third team offensive line, which is people are not going to be thrilled to hear that. Um, it's all at left guard, though. Everything he does is at left guard because he played left tackle. It's an easier transition for him to go from left tackle to left guard than anywhere else. And so he's mostly with the third team. <clears throat> He'll work in with the second team from time to time, mostly when Brennan Hymas is getting center snaps. Um, so they're being very cautious right now with McFadden. We'll see how much that changes in the preseason. I would imagine he gets a, a lot of reps in those games because they're not going to want to play Zion and Jamari very much. There's no point in them doing that. So uh, mm -hmm. I would expect his role to continue to increase. I would not expect him to play a ton of reps at tackle, on, obviously, honestly, unless he is, you know, kind of unless there are more injuries, which kind of forces their hand. Yeah, I think it's what you brought up earlier, which is if there's another injury. So I think Foster Serral is your ta your backup tackle. Like he's your third tackle right now. Yeah. Very clearly swing tackle right now. Yeah, but if there's an injury to him or something has to change, then like you said, I think Jamari then kicks out, and that's why you take McFadden at guard reps because then he replaces. I'm assuming wherever Jamari you know ends up. So, yeah, I, I think that's probably why McFadden sticks there, and and frankly, they also like he he's a better guard prospect. Like this is what he would be better at in the NFL anyway. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay, um, that was a lot of offensive line talk, which is both happy <laughs> and also not not great. <laughs> Um, but Tyler, let's get to some stock ups and stock downs here. Mm -hmm. um, I think the biggest stock up, which we can definitely talk about because it has major implications on the roster, is Mr. John Hightower. Yeah. Um, I didn't see his name much today from the reports, but basically every day it feels like he is good for a big play, good for a couple other routes. Um, you know, Daniel Popper has pointed out that he's been working a ton with Chris Beatty. Mike Williams spoke pretty glowingly of him yesterday. Um, you've been at practice a few times. We've seen the highlights. We've we've read about it. Um, how far up is John Hightower's stock for you, and what do you kind of make of, of his emergence so far? Yeah, the, the highest stock up of anybody in camp so far because he's playing like one of the best players out there. Granted, not always with the first team against the first team guys. Like I haven't seen JC Jackson cover him, so... I'm not saying he's a full-blown starter, better than Keenan on or whatever, but he's been the most productive yeah. player out there, so which is great for your stock. And Jalen Guyton's not practicing, and there's probably a roster spot open for John Hightower if Guyton isn't out there or can't get out there. So he's the highest stock up, I think, through at least through Popper's report yesterday. I think he's at like 15 or 16 catches easily um, in team periods. He has four touchdowns. And, you know, Keenan Allen's raving about him, too. Even in the um, the mic'd up today, Keenan Allen, I think, three different times pointed out John Hightower um, and even made fun of him because he couldn't spin the football. Uh, but, you know, <laughs> things to work on. Um, yeah. I, I feel like this is a little bit different than Bandy last year because Hightower can definitely fit the a role that they want with, with Jalen Guyton if he's not healthy. He's 6'1", and I'm about to sneeze. So, Steven, continue. <laughs> he's 6'1", and he's fast. So, he checks uh, checks the physical size profile. Wow. And that is something that Brandon Staley has has talked about. And I think it's it would surprise people based off of, like, 
who he was in Philadelphia and at Boise State to see him, you know, working in red zone so well and catching back shoulder fades. And like, he's having a fantastic cap camps. And I think for me, like the talent has always been there in terms of his speed, but Mm -hmm. the versatility that he's able to provide, you know, when we were there on Saturday, he had a couple reps from the slot as well as outside. Um, and then the usage is surprising, man. Like he is working in with the first team. Like he's not just on the second team and third team, which we've seen in the past from guys like Tyron Johnson and, and Jalen Guyton before and Jeremy Davis and Jason Moore. These guys look good with backup quarterbacks, right? But he's catching very valuable targets from Justin Herbert. And there's a pretty clear chemistry there that I think would surprise some people. So I think the usage is surprising, you know, I, I tweeted out a poll of like, uh, if Jalen Guyton is is injured, who would your pick be to be wide receiver six? And the and I put like, um, I put Hightower, I put Pokey Wilson in there, I put um, Terrell Bynum, and I put Keelan Doss. And John Hightower got last in the poll. Like people did were not voting for him, and he's the most natural Jalen Guyton replacement in terms of speed profile, in terms of size, and he's having a great camp, man. Like he really is showing up every single day and making an impact. And I think it, it, it would surprise a lot of people nationally to see his name back up, but easily the highest stock up right now, in my opinion, of any player. Yeah, and I was before I started sneezing, I was going to get into the, <laughs> the fact that Michael Bandy was very productive, very active in camp last year. But outside of the size profile, there's also just the only one thing you could really do with him, which is work that short game or maybe manufacture a screen or something. Sure. Tower has got one of the longest receptions for a touchdown in camp. He can work in the red zone. He can work jump balls, work vertically. Like he can do so much more than, uh, you know, the Michael Bandy. I'm, I'm, I'm not ready to say he's like Tyron Johnson by any means, but like that's definitely more of a role that he could have um, or even like Jalen Guyton's role than someone like Michael Bandy. So yeah, he's been fantastic. I think that, you know, we've discussed him as the next natural Jalen Guyton replacement. And again, like if, if you're looking at Pokey Wilson, Bynum, Doss, et cetera, a lot of things to like about those guys, but they don't have what Hightower has. And if Guyton is not there and they need someone to be like Guyton, it's pretty easily Hightower. So if Guyton isn't healthy, he's not out there. Hightower is making this team and you actually feel really good about that. Will he be active? Probably not. I mean, if they make Darius yeah. Davis active, but I think he's definitely making the team. Um, and you really don't risk, I, I assume you don't risk him hitting waivers. Yeah, I it's tough for me to imagine him clearing waivers at this point with how productive he's been. He has to continue to do this, right? Like we have years yeah. of NFL evidence of John Hightower. Um, you know, the, I don't know if Alex is in the chat today or not, but you know, at Philadelphia, he had a very high drop rate and it showed up in a big way and that's obviously why the Eagles moved off of him. That's something that he needs to continue to prove that this is not a problem anymore and he needs to continue to earn his role because like we've talked about privately like how much of that history with justin herbert yeah you know how long of a leash does that give jalen guyton um to keep john hightower at bay and i think if we get to preseason games and john hightower is just like not really showing up you know in terms of the stat sheet um i, I think that keeps jalen Guyton alive but if mm-hmm. hightower keeps performing like this all throughout camp I don't see how you keep him off of this roster. Yeah, you, you can't do it. So will they do some sort of, you know, gymnastics with the whole cap? Like, will he make it? 
And then Guyton also makes it. But then, you know, after his waivers kind of go through, they cut that sure. player. Um, it's very possible. I, I just think right now, yes, he's very productive, but he also just he just fits exactly what Kellamore has been trying to do. And he fits what Telesco and this front office kind of prefer. He's not the, the heaviest receiver. I think he's like 189 compared to like the 200 plus that they usually like to keep. Mm-hmm. But he's taller. He's definitely not Michael Bandy size. And I just think it's a kind of a win-win all around. There's nothing to dislike about him so far. And he's crushing it. Yeah, and I think this this also allows you to have some patience with Jalen Guyton. Because I do think Guyton's a, yeah. a player that you would ideally want to keep around. So maybe you 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 cut a six linebacker somewhere. And, and right after cuts, you put Jalen Guyton on injured reserve. And then four weeks from now, for four weeks from the first for four weeks from the cuts, excuse me, you see where Guyton's at. If he's healthy, you can bring him back. If he's not, you can just kind of keep playing that waiting game, you know, and, and see where mm-hmm. Guyton's at uh, in week eight. And if he's ready and you feel like you're, he's good enough to continue to, you know, put on the roster, then maybe you make that change. But yeah, um, this is a great scenario for the chargers. I think like even with Quentin and, and Darius Davis, like people still want more speed out there. And I, I totally get it. Mm-hmm. John Hightower is a legit four four guy, um, so I, I think it's a it's been exciting. It's been a, a great revelation to see because this is not somebody that had a lot of buzz, you know, out of the spring. There was basically no buzz about him, and you know he was on the practice squad all season, and they could have activated him at any point, and they chose not to. So if you would have told me, you know, two months ago that. After the first week of practice, we'd be saying John Hightower, biggest stock up of anybody. <laughs> I said you were crazy, man. So yeah. it's 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 a great story, honestly. It really is. Yeah, which is so frustrating to go back last year because we started to kind of rationalize it in a way that we had no proof of, which is well, maybe he's not getting the playbook, or maybe he's dropping everything in practice. I, I think I guess maybe that could be the case, but they never gave him a shot. And now he's working in. And from day one, it's like, why did you not do this last year? Yeah. Um, especially leading off with someone like Bandy, who they like, it's not their size profile. It's not who they wanted out there. So puzzling previous thing, this regime, he's flourishing and Hey, the Chargers are all better for it. Yeah. hundred percent. In terms of his special teams ability, mm. he has been working with the gunners. We have seen that um, in person and, uh, and it's been written about, he was a kick returner at Boise state. He was pretty good. I think he averaged like 26 yards, a kickoff return in college. Um, but you, you've pointed out that the returner is basically Davis and then Darius Shepard. And that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's it. They're the only two that have taken any returns that I've seen. Yeah. So, um, I mean, he's certainly fast enough and big enough to be a gunner. Um, we'll see what they do at gunner. Cause if Jasir Taylor is playing a lot more, mm-hmm. I can't imagine they'll want him out there. Yeah. Um, okay. Tyler, who's your second biggest stock up of the first week of training camp? Uh, a bit of a surprise. I, I didn't expect this, and this kind of correlates with another stock down, but it's Chris Hinton. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, 
So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. I did not expect him to be out there with rotating so much with the ones. Um, I think maybe we thought one of Otito and Austin Johnson would be out there and healthy playing a little bit. Seems like Austin Johnson's getting there. I mean, he's he's running with resistance, no brace, nothing. Um, yep. In the videos that he's posting, so I think he'll be okay. Um, but Chris Hinton has been out there, and it's been Sebastian Joseph Day, Morgan Fox, and a lot of Chris Hinton, which, again, I, I didn't really expect. And what's really surprising is that you see him play the nose so much. Mm-hmm. I thought that Hinton would be this, like, okay, you know, Austin Johnson type maybe, um, can play the run, play the pass, um, but certainly no, like, nose sort of type. But the fact that he's been out there is a surprise because I kind of think we all sort of thought – the next natural nose would be Gerard Clark. Um, and, and he is, I think, maybe the most natural nose given his size, profile, etc. But Hinton's been out there and doing quite a bit for them. Will he make the team? You know, we'll see. Nick Williams is involved. Obviously, Scott Madlock's involved. Um, but I didn't expect to see Chris Hinton out there so early um, playing with the ones, playing some nose. So that's been a surprise. So I would say he, in terms of like stock up and the most stock up, after John Hightower, I'd say it's Chris Hinton. Yeah, Chris Hinton, um, from what we saw on Saturday, he was the only interior defensive lineman rotating in with the first team. You know, so it was Sebastian, Morgan Fox, and then him. Those were That was the trio. And, and uh, Chris Hinton would come in for Sebastian, play the nose, or you could come in for Morgan Fox and play three-tech, four-tech. He's a very versatile player. And, you know, I, I, I think I was a little bit more bullish on him than the consensus public was, but I, I agree. I did not see him being the only first team defensive tackle in, in the rotation. Um, could that change? And Nick Williams could have, you know, put himself in that conversation as well. He's a longtime vet. Um, but I think at the very least, like Chris Hinton is, is at, at least on the same level of Nick Williams in terms of chances of making the roster at this point. Um, we've seen him play in NFL games. We've seen him practice with the first team defense thus far. Um, so I, I think people should be excited about Chris Hinton. I know that there was a lot of fanfare for Gerard Clark and I get it, 
but I think Chris Hinton is is earning that right right now. And um, you know, he's he's definitely a stock up. Once we were at practice and I saw him with the first team, I was like, who's ninety five or who's ninety one? Like, who's this guy out there? I, I couldn't remember. These numbers are so difficult because there's so many players. But yeah, um, I, at first I thought it was Nick Williams, and then you know, we look at the roster, and Nick Williams ninety five. He was with the third team at the time. And so Chris Hinton, man, I think he's he's having a good camp. He's you know earning that first team rotation defensive line role. So um, definitely definitely a stock up right now. I would. It's very early, but last year they were so set. I think for the most part, outside of a bit of a battle with Fox and Tillery, which ended up just being Fox having it, and we kind of assumed that. I don't recall Otito, Braden, Covington like really working in with the granted. There's two players that are hurt on this team right now. Yeah. I don't really recall them giving this much run to someone that's, for lack of a better way of saying it, kind of an unknown, an unproven guy. So they feel pretty good about him, it seems, based on snaps. And I don't want to say he's a roster lock, but if you're playing over Nick Williams, who, again, they might just keep because he's the veteran, and I'd get that. But if you're playing over your draft pick and the veteran you signed, you're pretty close to a lock at this point if Otito can't go. And if you can do two things and they seem like they think he can do more than one thing on this team, on this defense, you're pretty close to a roster, a roster lock. I'd say almost over John Hightower. Yeah, I I could see Chris Hinton having a, a better chance of making it than than Hightower for sure, just based off of the circumstances. You know, we have heard basically nothing from Otito Ogbonia in terms of his recovery. Austin Johnson's been at practice. He's been running and, and doing things with the resistance bands, stuff like that. Um, we don't know anything about Otito Ogbonia. So there's definitely in a defensive tackle spot up for grabs. And right now, I, I think that would go to Chris Hinton. So, um, again, similar to Hightower, he has to continue to earn this spot. Christian Covington was a bit of a slow start his first training camp, getting acclimated to things, and that can happen. If Nick Williams has a strong week this week, maybe we kind of revisit this conversation a little bit. Mm-hmm. But as for now, you know, Chris Hinton is – is probably DT3 on the roster, um, and I think that would be a big surprise for most people. Yeah, absolutely. All right, so um, next stock up for me, um, it's an interesting debate here between these safeties a little bit, but I am going to go with Raheem Lane, mm-hmm. um, somebody who we know has a lot of special teams value, but um, he's another guy who's showing up in every single practice report, whether it's through pass breakups, whether it's through run stuffs, whether it's through an actual interception. And when we were there, man, like he just, he just kind of moves a little bit differently than a, even a guy like Mark Webb who, who does, who, um, has had good practices in the past. Um, and JT was certainly improving, but I think there's a world like legitimately where Raheem Lane is safety three right now. And mm-hmm. I, I think JT has taken some positive steps for sure. But you see Raheem Lane covering Stowe Smart and he gets a pass breakup. Next series, he's, you know, playing the shell spot and gets a run stuff. Like Raheem Lane has been really, really solid for this team so far. And like we kind of knew that, or not knew necessarily, but we, we kind of figured that he was going to make the roster because Ryan Ficken mm-hmm. loves him as a special teamer. But in terms of his like role, like I think he's he's pushing JT Woods uh, pretty heavily right now for that safety three spot. Yeah, there's uh, there's a world where I, I could have seen him being the third safety active because he's just the guy that plays special teams. Maybe they don't feel that JT Woods could, um, which is kind of what they did last year. 
but he's earning safety three just because he's been better. And that's not even a knock on JT Woods, I don't think. I don't really think there's been a moment where I've said, oh, JT Woods, that was terrible, or you're very late to this. I think JT Woods has had a pretty solid start to camp, and they're asking him to do more. But it's just Raheem Lane consistently getting a pass breakup, getting a run stop, um, hitting the screens, hitting well, covering well, covering from the slot, covering from deep safety, um, first pick at camp. Like, there's just... It's it's kind of a trajectory where it's it's almost like Braden Fajoko last year, where at some point just you stack too many plays day after day after day. Mm-hmm. Like, what are you gonna do? What are you gonna not play him? Yeah, are you gonna not get him on the roster. Brandon, that worked out very differently. Um, but he's our. I think honestly, he was at this point. He's a roster lock as long as he stays healthy. He's and there's really not even like a rotation for the fourth safety. Um, it's JT Woods as the third safety, and then it's Raheem Lane. And I don't see as much of Mark Webb as I used to. I, I definitely mm-hmm. don't see really any AJ Finley. I mean, they they really want Raheem Lane to be the fourth safety. Um, and I, I think at some point, you really have to look at yourselves and say, okay, like maybe we're having Asante Samuel Jr. out there at, at slot corner, and he's going to start and play the majority of the snaps. So then, do you also want your third safety when German James moves up or whatever or whatever they do um, to be JT Woods and take that gamble, or do you want Raheem Lane back there? Because you feel a bit better about that. Yeah. I don't know. I think Raheem Lane, I don't know if they'll ever actually make him safety three, but he's been playing like almost like safety two, um, playing really almost perfect, not perfect football, but as good as you can get for a second year player who's an undrafted free agent. Yeah. He's been really, really solid for them. Um, there are times where we've talked about, we talked about this on the Chargers episode where Derwin James will come down as, a, as an edge rusher. And basically, like what they'll do is have a low he and JT Woods. That was kind of the thing. But there have been other times where they'll move a low he down into the box and it'll be Derwin and Raheem Lane back. You know, Dan, I was talking with Daniel Popper on the sideline on, on Saturday and he noticed like seven different combinations that they've done in the secondary, mm-hmm. just kind of experimenting with things. I think that's part of what training camp is for. Um, but I, I think they feel really comfortable with this safety group to a certain point where. Fans who have wanted John Johnson to be signed are probably a little bit more uncomfortable about. Um, but I think they like this safety room more than people on the outside would say that they like the safety room. So um, Raheem Lane has been solid. JT has been solid. And then Eddie pointing out, Alohi Gilman has been fantastic in training camp. Like um, always around the football, always bringing being high energy. I don't know if we can call him a stock up because we, we knew he was going to be safety too, basically regardless. But yeah. he's he's taken some big steps, man. Like he's he's really come such a long way from his rookie season, and uh, like it's to the point where I'm I'm totally comfortable with him as safety too. I think he's been really solid in camp, showing some great signs as a pass coverage uh, defender. He's had he he's had the only interception I believe of Justin Herbert that was like an actually like good play. <laughs> Like Asante Samuel Jr.'s play was kind of thrown right to him. You know, although he made like a legitimate break on the ball, mm. contested mm-hmm. catch, like that was like a high quality interception. And uh, I think Alohi Gilman is is probably stock up in terms of hype, but I don't think we can really call him that because we, we kind of knew he was going to be safety too anyway. Yeah, stock safe, really. I think we were all waiting for the rug to be pulled out um, from Alohi Gilman because he earned the right to be out there. He was safety two sort of last year. Um, mixing in at different points. But you really weren't sure because John Johnson is still out there, and I, I really don't know why. Um, but he was always available, still available. So you're like, ah, you know, 
okay, like, yeah, although he's out there in the spring, but okay, training camp comes around and they sign John Johnson. No, they haven't. I don't know if they've even made a call. And if you're watching JT Woods have a, you know, better camp than last year, or at least improving and doing different things. Raheem Lane looks good. Lohi Gilman looks improved again. You're feeling good about, you, you know that there's pitfalls here with the safety group and maybe a ceiling that you could never reach this year, but you still, I think, feel pretty good watching your safety so far. Yeah. Um, Zeus asked any question about Asante being a potential safety. I think it's, he's a corner. Like, I think he's, Mm -hmm. it's slot or the outside. Would you call Asante a stock up though? Because he's been probably the best player in camp over the last three or four days. Um, has, has had a, a great few, you know, pass breakups recently. You know, Daniel Popper pointing out today that the Chargers had this, this drill where, the Chargers got all the way down to the ten yard line, and and Asante had two pass breakups to to end the drive. Um, so is Asante a stock up for you, or how would you kind of classify that position battle in terms of stock? I didn't put him at stock up until today, and now I think you do have to consider him stock up for the way he's been playing. They've benched him several times last year. They've taken away his snaps in the spring, the first day of training camp, first day of pads. I mean, you know, even today in 11 on 11s, like uh, Jaw was the first guy out there, but he keeps making plays and going, what are you going to do? You're going to keep me off the field. Are you sure that's what you <laughs> want to do? And yeah. look, he hasn't had the opportunity to do what he's you know, known for not being so hot. The at. weakness. Yeah, right. We haven't seen him really have an opportunity to to know if he's fixed that problem or not. So I guess we'll really never know until we get to the preseason games. And even then, I don't know how much he's going to play or how much they'll really run at him. But hopefully we can see something or the, the coaches can see something. But I do think he is stock up because he did start as like when it was first team and, and JC and Davis were out there. There was no zone on the, on the team, on the first team. And now there is. And then he goes out there. And I think, you know, today he had, what, like three or two passes broken up, whatever it was. Like he's just, you know, maybe more than any other defensive back right now. Just making plays, interceptions, passes broken up, etc. I do see him rallying to the football, so that's good. But you know, we we really won't know. Like they'll have to make this decision, you know, if they choose to start him, kind of on a leap of faith there, because you're just gonna have to find out. Like Derrick Henry's there in week two, you just have to find out. Um, but I think he's still <laughs> find out quick in terms of running. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unfortunately, did you see? Uh, did you see Mike Rabel's quote about Derrick Henry yesterday? Yeah, about the kid number the, of kids, the or five-year-old kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What did it come down to? Was it at first he was like a shit ton, fair, and then they were like, "Well, can you quantify it?" And he said thirty-five, which feels like not enough to me, but you know, that's what it is. I don't know. I think there's only one way to do this, which is to try it out. Um, yeah. I think we have to find out. The, yeah, the you know how they do out. like those those like little league scrimmages sometimes at halftime. Yeah. Yeah. Let's just get both of those teams to try and tackle Derrick Henry for like the first play yeah. of the second half. Yeah. Instead of the Pro Bowl, we'll just we'll just draft <laughs> 50 kids and, and yeah, from wherever around the country, we'll just draft those kids. It's just Derrick Henry and pads, and that's it. That's the Pro Bowl. Hundred <laughs> percent. Um, but yeah, getting back to to Asante, man, like we we know that he's capable of these kind of performances as a coverage defender. Mm-hmm. Like he's so instinctive. The ball skills are so fantastic. Even the plays in training camp where he's like giving up a reception, he's in perfect position. Like, you know, the, the Joshua Palmer catch yesterday 
where it was the one-handed catch like you see asante's face like turn around and be like really are you kidding me like that's like <laughs> the only place yeah. you can throw that ball and be completed mm -hmm. um so he's he's having a great camp and and i'm not necessarily surprised by that um you know we picked him to be the winner of the slot battle um mm. but we still need to see some run defense really for me to like feel comfortable with it um yeah i think jasir taylor has shown up more in that regard which is, yeah. is not again that's not a surprise just like it's not a surprise that asante is is the better coverage player but him being you know this explosive is is huge for this team and i think if he's this kind of productive um in terms of ball production then you can kind of live with the run defense stuff because you're going to get you know that many hands on passes this year so yeah um he's been so much fun to watch so far making plays consistently um you know in terms of coverage defense man this chargers cornerback room is is really really deep yeah michael davis has been awesome last time i was at practice i tweeted out hoping anybody would answer me um did jc jackson give up a catch did he even get targeted and i don't think anyone actually ended up having an answer for me because i don't think he did yeah. last time i saw him he was just shut down which is insane so davis has been excellent which you know that's not stock up stock down it's just like he's he's been awesome um great group great trio maybe three and a half or so and hell even dean leonard had five passes broken out the other day yeah 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 that's pretty crazy man five pass breakups in a practice <laughs> in, in the nfl where a yeah. lot of that is is kind of on air like that's that's pretty crazy yeah that is impressive really really good day from him um okay tyler let's maybe do uh some stock downs or do you have any other ones that you want to bring up for stock up yeah, for stock up, just by nature of uh, the snaps that he's getting, Isaiah Spiller, I also put him in the title, so I guess I have to say it now. Um, <laughs> Isaiah Spiller, and I think that yeah. sort of like Asante Samuel Jr., we need to see Spiller against contact. That's kind of what we're looking to see. Um, we just want to see him. Uh, Kelly's going to be the runner, no matter what. I think he's going to be the dominant runner of the two. Um, but the, the role that he has now is just so defined. Not that he's just a pass catcher, but he's, he's the to be on this team as the pass catcher like yeah. yes joshua kelly talked about you know working as a receiver more and i think you will and i think you have to to make sure that you're you know you can show something different on the field but isaiah spiller has been much more involved as a pass catcher and he's playing a lot of snaps so um of course one week before camp i say nope kelly's definitely going to be rb2 now walking back everything i said about spiller <laughs> and of course they make spiller arguably have more snaps than kelly all camp so um, I think part of that's just because you, Kelly, I think is Kelly, you know what you have. You trust him as the runner. Um, he said he's loving pass protection. Now you probably want to see what you have more of in Spiller. Who's so young, but stock up for him too. Yeah. I think Isaiah Spiller being stock up is definitely right. Um, we were curious to see how the snaps would be divvied up. And, you know, I, I jotted down in my notebook on Saturday, like there were drives that Isaiah Spiller was the first running back out there. Even Austin Eckler was not out there. There were drives when it was Kelly. There were drives when it was Eckler. And they were, they rotate pretty heavily. Obviously, Austin Eckler is getting the bulk of the, the reps. But Isaiah is very involved as a pass catcher in particular. And there was uh, a time where he kind of like motioned out to the backfield. He was kind of almost like an H-back and did a, this wheel route and uh, beat Dayon Henley off of, off of the line and had a great catch with it. So I think you're much more comfortable with Isaiah Spiller as a pass catcher than than Joshua Kelly, even if Joshua Kelly has been working on it, and I think he has been. Yeah. Um, 
But there's also a role for Joshua Kelly to be involved here because he's mm-hmm. more of your dirty work back. Um, still, I, I don't know how much I trust J- Isaiah Spiller to do that kind of role. So I, I think you have a, a great balance of backs here with Eckler, Kelly, and Spiller as as somebody who can, you know, Eckler's your your starter, you do it every do it all guy. Spiller's your pass catcher, and then you know, and Joshua Kelly is kind of your dirty work, short yardage pass protection kind of stuff. So mm-hmm. I like where this running back room is is at, man. And you pointed him out. Um, the undrafted free agent Hoosman has had some some pop as well. So we'll see how that one goes. But um, he's going to have to be really impressive in the preseason to make the roster. But um, right now I feel good about the Chargers' three main running backs. Yeah, me too. And it's nice to see that if Eckler gets hurt at any point, you don't really have a replacement for him one-to-one, but you do have this nice – committee here where you you can make that up so that, that's pretty cool i think in terms of undrafted free agents no stock up or down here but um dotson and Hoosman both have been impressive as very different players mm-hmm. i think it'll just come down to the preseason you know both of them are going to express what they're good at and it's up to the charters and you know to see if, if that's worth keeping um and then also worth keeping over larry roundtree who i don't know if he's like stock down i, I wouldn't say that but he's kind of just yeah stock nowhere like just, it's just <laughs> which i not to say he's done anything bad although he did fumble when we were there at practice um he, he's just definitely more phased out than last year yeah yeah i do, I do want to mention briefly joshua palmer as as a stock up mm. not in the sense of like you know he's overtaking quentin johnston um but i think like there were these narratives out there to start training camp that Quentin was definitely the wide receiver three that Josh Palmer is going to take a back seat. And that's not been the case at all, man. Like when we were there at practice, Joshua Palmer was exclusively working with the first team offense. Quentin Johnson was doing first team and second team offense. And Palmer has been just as good, if not better than Quentin Mm -hmm. Johnson, in my opinion, thus far. Um, And they, they love him. I mean, Brandon Staley went on the podium today and called Josh Palmer an elite player. Like verbatim, <laughs> that was his word. Like we think Josh yeah. Palmer's an elite player. Oh, like, I saw that. They mm-hmm. love Joshua Palmer, man. And so this wide receiver room, it's very difficult for me to contain the lack of excitement I have about this receiver room, man, because this is it's such a deep group. And if we're talking about John Hightower as being like the biggest stock up, they could legitimately go seven deep at one point if Jalen Guyton is healthy, which is is crazy to me considering where this group was last year. But Mm-hmm. There was a lot of talk about Joshua Palmer just kind of taking a back seat, and that has been the opposite of what has happened so far. Uh, he's been so much fun to watch in practice, and he's just – he's kind of like their Swiss Army knife, man. Like, he is mm-hmm. being able to – he plays the Z, he plays the X, he plays the slot, he blocks well. Like, he can do everything they ask of him. And, again, this team loves them some Joshua Palmer. Yeah, it's nice to see him out there just being himself. Uh, the interview with Chris Beatty, he's like, well – Sometimes he can go be Keenan Allen. Sometimes he can be Mike Williams for us. But like, did he ever get to just be Josh Palmer? You know, did he ever just get to do maybe what he does best or, or just not have to be, okay, today you're going to fill this role. Okay, today you're going to fill this role. Because he's that he is that Swiss Army knife, like you said. Maybe not elite at one thing, but good at enough things to always have value. So just watch him go out there. And um, I think today, Daniel Popper said like one of the best routes of camp or at least mm-hmm. of the day, that was Josh Palmer today. We saw the catch over Asante Samuel Jr. Um, lost him on day one. Like he's been 
really impressive. Quentin Johnson is going to have the bigger role. He's just different than the other guys that they have. Yeah, um, you want that varied role. That's, that's why they drafted him. But Josh Palmer, like he's he's playing really freaking well, and I could, I could honestly like as you said, see both Johnson and Palmer being kind of like co leads right now, um, for the wide receiver three spot because both are playing really well. Yeah, and there's just like this weird group on social media that want Palmer to be bad. And I'm like, you, we all realize that one of Keenan Allen and Mike Williams are not going to be on the team in 2024. Correct. Like we, we, we all want Joshua Palmer to do well because they can't afford to upgrade over him. Like he's going to be a crucial, crucial piece for this team going forward. Mm -hmm. And so I just like, you should be excited about Palmer playing well. Like everybody should be happy about that because it just gives them so much depth. Like, we are less than a year removed from watching DeAndre Carter and Michael Bandy receive meaningful targets in a playoff game. And now we're complaining about Joshua Palmer getting reps with the first team <laughs> offense over Quentin Johnson. It's just funny to me. Yeah, it's it's the new thing. I don't know if just because I've been on social media more, but everyone, you have to be elite or you suck. I yeah. mean, heaven forbid I say Quentin Johnson drops four passes, which he just literally did. <laughs> and it's like, oh, oh God, there's a bus now. I saw all the Ravens fans and other fans like, oh, he stinks. And other people like, well, he's been the best player of camp. It's like, guys, it's okay. Like, he yeah. can be good some days. He can be bad. He can be great. He can be average. Whatever he is, there is something in the middle there. And, and, and Josh Palmer is kind of that high-end middle there, like a, a, at least above average, can fill in and be good to great sometimes. They need this guy, and he's been excellent. So... You know, we'll, we'll see what they end up doing with him. Um, Johnson's kind of been everything they've wanted so far, so there's no stock down there. I wouldn't say stock up, really, but he's been awesome, which I guess is stock up, considering it could go anywhere with a first-round pick. Um, but Josh Palmer's been awesome, and I think it, it's it's a shame that there are fans with Palmer, with Eckler now, which is maybe I guess I could get, but not really. You know, all Josh Palmer did was go out and have a good season last year. You don't hear anything bad about him. Seems like a nice guy. While we were on the field interviewing Kelly and doing our podcast, he was out there for an hour working by himself yeah. with the jugs machine. Like, you know, I'm rooting for this guy because he could be your wide receiver three, I guess, next year. Um, and a really important part of this team. Yeah. And by all accounts, man, just like a, a, a great worker in the room. You mentioned the the jugs with that. Last year, he was staying after practice every single day with Justin Herbert to try and get on the same mm -hmm. page. Like, he works so hard, and you know, I, I think he's going to be a, a, a big time player for this team uh, going forward. Um, okay, let's get to a few stock downs. There's not a ton, you know. This is way too early to say, but yeah, I people are very excited about Xander Horvath. <laughs> I knew he's going that never way. on the field on offense, man. He's no. never out there in the highlights. He, when we were out there, I think I counted maybe like one or two times. There's not much of a role on offense for Xander Horvath right now. Maybe that changes. Mm -hmm. We'll see what happens. But um, I have not seen him touch the ball. <laughs> I have not seen him make a key block or heard about him making a key block. Like I, I was very skeptical about the chances of the Chargers cutting him. And I'm not to that point yet where I'm going to predict it. Yeah, but Xander Horvath is basically not seeing the field at all on offense right now. Yeah, whatever you thought Joe Lombardi did with him last year, whether at the beginning of the year, in camp, during the season, whatever, 
that role is cut down even more. Like there, yeah. there's there's no Xander Horvath. Um, at this point, the undrafted free agents are working in at running back, and you know there's still no Xander Horvath. He could make it purely off of special teams. It's very possible. But if you're looking at, let's say, Hoosman, who's your second most athletic running back by RAS, who can do those fullback kind of things as a big body, who can be the running back on special teams at the wing that Ryan Ficken prefers, and you're looking at someone who can contribute versus someone Kellen Moore can literally not, like, Kellen Moore just doesn't use him. <laughs> like, I, I, you might as well have, like, J.K. Scott be the fullback. Because they get the same, <laughs> they get the same number of snaps. Like they're not, they're not using him. And why? I don't know. You know, but they have like zero interest right now yeah. in figuring out a role for him. They're like, there's nothing. And sometimes I'll see, um, you know, Trey McKitty or other tight ends kind of work as the H back, etc. So there's kind of that. But in terms of fullback, there's nothing for him. And if you look at Kellen Moore's history, I think last time we talked about this. One snap for a fullback on offense the last three seasons. Yeah. And that's kind of what it's looking for Xander Horvath. Do those fullbacks still make the team? Yes, because they play special teams. But I don't know. I'm very skeptical about his chances of making the team with no role on offense and nobody competing with him. Yeah. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, maybe you cut somebody and keep Jalen Guyton and then put him on injury reserve. Maybe that person is Xander Horvath. Yeah. um, the history of Kellen Moore with fullbacks we've talked about, there were two or three times on Saturday that I counted three tight end sets, you know, which was more mm-hmm. than I saw Xander Horvath out there. Like they'll use, <laughs> they'll go full 13 personnel with, with Trey McKitty as like an H back or, or kind of like an, an off the line tight end before Xander gets out there. So it's just, like, I think he has such a unique athletic profile that I just like, I almost wish he would just, slim down and play running back like maybe that's a better chance for him to play but um that there's basically zero role for him on offense right now and um i think the blocking reps from the backfield are going to go to trey mckitty mm-hmm. they'll go to a six offensive lineman yeah almost before they go to horvath yeah and we just talked about all the stock up guys most of them or a lot of them are kind of bubble guys and guys who are looking to make the team if Xander Horvath is going to play one or two snaps on offense this year, you keep him over Hightower, over Chris Hinton, yeah. over, let's say, Raheem Lane, or Mark Webb, or Darius Shepard, or, I guess, Stone Smart. You know, no. Like, there, there's a list of so many guys that at this point are more valuable. Are any of them yeah. fullbacks? No. Although they, they could work some of that, though. And, and frankly, if it's only one snap throughout the entire year, which I'm, I'm very curious where that one snap came from for that fullback or why they'd use him. Um, I don't know. I, I just think there are too many other positions where you need to keep somebody else to keep someone who can only do special teams and cannot at all rotate in on, on offense. Like Neiman, Ogbong, Bamiga, yes, they're only special teams guys, but that's because there's always been guys in front of them. There's Theoretically, no of- they could rotate in and, and play on defense. Yeah, and also that. But at least, like, you have Kendricks, you have Murray, you've had Kaiser, you have had Drew, et cetera. So, like, and if they're healthy, they don't see the field. And that's why there's like, if you have no intention at all of using Xander Horvath on offense, whereas you could maybe for those linebackers or another running back or another tight end, can't keep him. Yeah. 
This team obviously lost Troy Reader, Andrew Tranquil, who played very key roles on special teams. So maybe that is a role for, for Xander because, you know, Murray has never played special teams. Eric Hendricks is not playing special teams. So, you know, they're going to need another body out there besides just Dayon and Amen and Nick Neiman. So maybe they have to keep him for special teams purposes. But it's it's been unfortunate because I think he is such a unique athlete that I would love to see him get some meaningful reps out there. But mm-hmm. he's just not. Um, anybody else for you that's a clear stock down thus far? Uh, by way of Hinton going up, I'll say Gerard Clark down only because we kind of had him. I think we even had him making the team in our um, initial predictions, which maybe that could happen. We'll see. But right now he's yeah, behind everyone. He's behind Hinton and Williams and everybody else. And let's say Austin Johnson comes back. There's just there's just going to be no spot for him. So which is fine. Undrafted free agent um, as kind of a pure nose. You know, it'll take some time for him to work in and, and hopefully he does develop. But I think in terms of like stock down based on where we thought he would be and certainly where the fan base thought he would be. Yeah, he's he's DT six, even with two guys out. Yeah, even from like a production standpoint, like we saw today, David Moa had a nice rep and, and had a run stop. Scott Matlock has had some run stops. We haven't really heard much about Clark making an impact in that regard. So, no, you know, the, the first team is very defined with the three. Mm-hmm. And then basically everybody else rotates in second team and third team. You know, second team, one set, it'll be Williams and Matlock, or it'll be Clark and Williams, or it'll be Moa and Matlock. And then the third team is the same kind of thing. Nick, Nick Williams doesn't really play a ton of the third team. He's mostly second team uh, from what I saw and what we've heard. Um, but we haven't heard a ton of of Gerard Clark. Even uh, Terrence Lang has had, like, I think he had a pass breakup the other day, or I guess batted pass is probably more accurate there, but. Um, he's had some good rushes, so it's again very early. There's only been the two pattern practices, and Gerard Clark is a nose tackle. Hard for a nose tackle to really get out there and show his worth unless he's like really in pads a lot. Yeah. So we'll see. But in terms of like being a roster favorite, I think you have to dub him as a stock down mm-hmm. because he's he's definitely more on the bubble than than being like that next guy in line after. Austin Johnson and Otito Gonia. Yeah, exactly. So I think the, the only other guy I'd want to bring up here, which it doesn't really feel fair, is Jalen Guyton, who to me, it feels more like other guys are stock up than he's stocked down. Sure. Where are you at with him? Yeah, I still think, like, I, I'm a wait and see with John Hightower because, like, we do have that history. Again, I think it's a great story, but I need to see him do this in a preseason game. I need to see whether or not, like, how does he handle a contested catch in a preseason game, stuff like that, before I'm, like, really ready to, like, completely throw away Jalen Guyton from the roster. So um, I think he's, he, I think Guyton should at least get the chance to get healthy first before we are, like, dubbing John Hightower the winner um, of that position battle. But in terms of him being a stock down, I don't necessarily disagree because. I think in my, and for me at least, I was picturing him like if he's healthy, no matter what, he's the guy. Yeah. But Hightower has changed that, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's definitely more of a position battle than I thought going in. So I think dubbing him as a stock down is, is fair. Yeah. Sounds good to me. Other than that, I really strained to think of anybody else. And, and really, right now, we've only seen yeah. one padded practice and no preseason. Can't really make a judgment otherwise. So. 
you know, there'll, there'll be some shifts. Um, some guys to keep an eye on, I think, that I wanted to bring up. Like we talked about JT Woods, Dean Leonard, um, maybe Nick Williams. I think Kenneth Murray had a couple of good days, it seems. I had three run stops today. So uh, I'm close to saying Kenneth Murray's stock up. But then Same. again, like he's also the he's starter. starter. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. And, they, and the team thinks the world of him. There's not a player or a coach who will say anything negatively about him. Um, they seem to love him. And so I'm really glad that he's doing well. So I think like I, you know, we visited this weekend. I'll be there Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. He has a great trio of, of days. Yeah, stock up for Kenneth Murray, I think. Yeah, I Dayon is not stocked down for me, but there is zero rotation with the first team defense right now. It is all Kendricks. It is all Murray. The only time Murray comes off the field is if they go into their penny package and Kendricks is the only linebacker at that point. So we'll see what happens, but Dayon, I, I, I think everybody was rushing to put him in over Kenneth Murray, and I, and I get it. But right now, Kenneth Murray is a very clear-cut starter for this team. I was responding to the chat there. We got a new Chargers fan by way of being a Boise State fan uh, for Jennifer here in the oh. chat. So awesome. Appreciate I get it. it. Yeah, I'm sure we have some TCU fans. Uh, they're not <laughs> we converted do, yes. as well. Um, okay, sorry. One more. I don't know if it's stock down. But Daniel Popper pointed out that Dustin Hopkins does not kick since day two. I was going to ask about that, what you thought about that whole situation. Yeah, and it's tough because it's not like these are two unknown guys. It's Neither of them is unknown, but one is clearly more unknown. Like, you know what you have with Hopkins. What is it? You don't have to, I guess, really prove anything at this point because um, you're kind of going off of the, the long term of the career and the numbers and stats you have there. But not kicking since day two, and we're assuming no injuries involved here. Um, Cameron Dicker, I think, is 22 of 24, either yeah. as of yesterday or today, yeah. um, and looking really good. He had several, I think it was eight for eight today, which is awesome. So I don't know if that's Hopkins stock down, but it is worth pointing out now and putting a pin in it and coming back later. Yeah. Dicker is by far right now kicking more than Dustin Hopkins. Yeah, it's it's an interesting battle the way that they've handled it because when it was Badgley and Viscaino, they both kicked every day, you know, and some yeah. of that was Darius Winton putting a ton of emphasis on special teams and, and having special teams be like 50% of the practice, but both of them kicked every day. It, it might not have been eight, nine, 10 kicks. Like this has been for Dicker yeah. or Hopkins each day. And, and maybe Hopkins is just kind of getting rest a little bit. But it definitely is something to keep an eye on because right now Dicker has kicked basically every day and Hopkins has not. Yeah. So what does it mean? I don't know. We'll see what they do in the preseason. If it's Cameron Dicker, Cameron Dicker, Cameron Dicker in the preseason, and assuming he plays well, it's it's kind of over, I think, yeah. at that point. But I don't I don't really see how it would be. They'll probably do 50-50. Um yeah, but it, that that was a surprise for me. I didn't I didn't really keep track of it. You know, but then when Daniel Popper pointed out that it's been since day two, yeah, that's when you start paying attention. Yeah, and responding in the chat, Zeus Era had a question about trades for either kicker, which we've talked about. Best case scenario is probably like a six-round pick, which for the Chargers, that helps a lot. You know, if they can get another yeah. Jamari Sawyer, Jasir Taylor, that's yeah. a fantastic outcome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, could even get another Max Duggan. <laughs> Um, seventh rounder. He's a seventh rounder. <laughs> seventh rounder history is is still a little dicey, but hey, you know maybe Dean Letter becomes something. 
Hey, five passes broken up, man. Yeah. Uh, doing pretty good after I sat there and basically had no clue why they would draft him. Now I feel like an idiot. <laughs> yeah, uh, he was definitely not on my radar that year, but that's how the seventh round goes sometimes. Um, all right, Tyler, any uh, final thoughts before we head out? Um, only just to make sure we get this from Kyle and Alexander. Did we hit oh. this? We sort of talked about this, but um, is it just me or would it make sense if JT isn't ready? they have one of Zant or jaw as the sixth db yeah i think like there's there will be a rotation but the the issue with that is that i want derwin james around the line of scrimmage more whereas if you have four corners out there then you have to have derwin kind of back a little bit which they'll do from time to time right like he's played some some free safety as well um but yeah i think jaw will play a lot I think JT will play at least more than he did last year. And then Raheem Lane probably plays more than he did last year as well. Yeah. I think Raheem Lane's the one you trust right now, but I don't know. I'm ready. I'm ready for the preseason. I think JT Woods is going to be better. Let's just not hang up on every like one missed tackle. Let's try to look at it from a whole picture, which I'm saying that right now, knowing nobody is going to do that. (laughs) Um, But give him some grace. Yeah, we got preseason football next week, which is pretty crazy. Although I know the Hall of Fame game is tomorrow, which is wild. <sighs> and I will watch most. I will watch at least the first quarter because I'm not that much of a sicko where I'll sit and watch the whole game. But I will watch at least the first quarter. It will be on in the background while I do something else. <laughs> while, while I fold laundry, it will be on. Yeah, yeah, hundred percent. All right, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Appreciate everybody for tuning in. The chat was great tonight. We got some new fans, courtesy of Kellen Moore. So um, that's always really cool to see. Um, Tyler and I are going to be at training camp this weekend. Um, We'll be on the sidelines on Saturday and then in the stands on Sunday at the scrimmage. Um, So we had a lot of people say hello to us on Saturday. If we missed you that Saturday or if we miss you this Saturday, uh, we'll do our best to be more social on Sunday at the scrimmage. Um, so please don't hesitate to come say hi to us. We had some people uh, take pictures with us on the fence line and things like that on Saturday, which was really cool. Um, one guy even asked us for our autograph, which was which was a, a funny moment. <laughs> yeah. um, so, you know, you guys are awesome. We appreciate all of you. Um, hope to see as many of you as possible this weekend. And that's going to do it for us tonight. And we'll see you later. As always, bolt up.